Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. I'm your host, Jason Tardik, and welcome to the pre-market trading segment, where I talk a little bit about what you can expect from our guest, something you need to know going into this week as it relates to finance, and a quick little update from my personal life. First and foremost, we have the king and queen of Bachelor Nation on right now, Serena and Joe, who just got married. And of course, if you don't know, Joe and I were on the same season of The Bachelorette. Joe got eliminated night one in America by storm rooted for him. He came back on Paradise, came on Paradise again. That's where he met Serena, who was on Matt James' season. They got engaged and they just got married and had an unbelievable celebration. Now, in this episode, what you're going to hear is a little bit about the process of the wedding, the cost, the planner, things that they wish they didn't spend on things that they wish they did spend on, all the ins and outs. We even get into their bachelor party, the bachelorette party, their working relationship, how they deal with finances and how they work as a unit before they got married, when they got married, and after. You're going to even hear about dual citizenship. You have an American that married a Canadian, what the green card process was like. And of course, stay tuned to the recap because David is a Canadian citizen and married an American. So there are actually some things that Joe and Serena had thought were going to be the reality of what will come that David corrected them in the recap because he has gone through that process. Now, we are doing a two-part series here. You're going to hear about 40 minutes with Joe and Serena and wait, just wait until you hear Joe's bachelor party story. It's insane. But next week, Stay tuned because we have about 25 minutes left of the Joe and Serena part two we're going to share. In that episode, they talk all about their career within Bachelor Nation, taking over as the podcast host for Bachelor Happy Hour. They talk very specifically about their relationship with money and how they manage as a couple joint bank accounts or individual bank accounts, what you can expect from their career here on out and what they want. So this is a two-part series. We're starting with part one from Joe and Serena. They are two incredible humans. And one thing I'll say behind the scenes, I don't know if you'll be able to see it in this episode, but the energy and light that they both share for one another, it's really special. It was really, really special. And for me, like inspiring. Like When I saw these two, the way they worked as one, but the way they could challenge each other and laugh at each other and chirp each other, I was like, this is just such a, such a special relationship. And it's an inspiration for anyone out there that is looking for their someone. It's awesome. So this episode will be one that you can't afford to miss. Now, something that you might want to know going into next week. Last week, I talked a little bit about the price to rent ratio. I told you that my rent $3,600. And I talked to you about analyzing the price to rent ratio. What the price to rent ratio is, and I do talk about this in my new book, but it pretty much gives you an idea. Given the current housing market, are the price of homes fairly valued or is it a bubble? And then based on the ratio, it will give you an indicator of if you should buy or rent based on where you're at. Now, Trulia did a whole analysis on this. And what they said is a price to rent ratio of one to 15 indicates that it's much better to buy than rent. A price to rent ratio of 16 to 20 indicates that it's typically better to rent than buy. A price to rent ratio of 21 or more means it's much better to rent than buy. But what does this even mean, price to rent ratio? What it means is it actually gives you the amount of years that you would be paying in rent for you to actually own your property. So 
If you had a price to rent ratio of 40 based on the medium home price in your area and the median annual rent, it would then take 40 years of rent to actually own your home. So the price to rent ratio is calculated by just dividing the median home price by the median yearly rent in your area. Now, Nashville, prices of real estate have increased dramatically since the pandemic. So the price to rent ratio here is over 20. And as truly estates, over 20, it would make more sense to rent than buy. Why am I telling you this? Because it's very relevant to something that's happening this week. So we'll get an update on home prices from the Schiller National Home Price Index. You're like, okay, Jason, that's a lot. What does that actually mean? Well, what it does is it tracks the prices of homes. And if they've increased or decreased month over month, and year over year. And as everyone knows out there, with interest rate hikes, they have increased the price point of mortgage rates to the highest that we have seen in over two decades, which is pushing a lot of buyers out. Now, you would think the price of interest rates are going up, so people are going to pay less for homes. Well, the problem is there is limited inventory of homes. And right now, 80% of Americans are saying it is a bad time to buy a home. And this is what people are calling right now the most unaffordable market in over 40 years. So this week, we'll get an update on the home prices month over month, year over year. So pay attention to that. It'll be interesting. They're projecting that prices have gone up about 0.7%. So we'll see. And a little bit for my personal life. I'm fully moved into my new home. It feels good to have a new chapter unlocked, a good foundation under my feet. And the uh, last week, has, it's, it's been a lot in my personal life lately. <laughs> I'll say that. There's a lot of noise, but I would like to pivot to a positive. And I think a positive has been, I've had the dogs the last week, and I think there's been a lot of criticism and a lot of noise just surrounding the whole ideology of co-parenting two dogs. Now, Ramen and Pino mean the absolute world to me. Ramen and Pino mean the absolute world to Caitlin. And so co-parenting, it's tough. And I understand all the noise out there associated with it. And I'm not here to say it's going to be perfect and it will 100% work. What I am to say, if I look at the last week of mayhem and the noise, and I find a positive in everything, I would say the positive is I feel really good about the way that we have decided to co-parent. And I think we have a good system that should hopefully work effectively. And so that is both a win for Caitlin and myself and the dogs. And that's a little for my personal life. But without further ado, just buckle up and get ready because this one is going to be such a fun episode, hopefully a side of Serena and Joe you haven't seen before. I love when they kind of go at each other a little bit with their spending habits. It is so much fun. And please, as always, remember to give us five stars. Let us know who you want to come on as a guest and maybe your biggest takeaway from this episode. Let's ring in the bell with the one and only Joe and Serena. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I am joined by Bachelor Nation's newest and hottest married couple, Joe Amabili and Serena Pitt. Serena, we're going to have to talk about that. Are you going to take the last name or not? I just thought about that. That'll have to come up. This is not Joe's first time joining us on Trading Secrets after we learned all about his background in the grocery industry and his entrepreneurial endeavors. However, this is Serena's first time with us, and she is one week into her new travel accessory 
accessory brand being live called Reset the Label. We will definitely be touching on that, how it came to be, where she plans on taking that business, and how you can get a piece of that merch. With Joe and Serena fresh off a wedding, what better time to discuss the money and planning and time that goes into a successful wedding, which it was just beautiful. Also, how do they plan on handling finances? as a married couple. What's next for them as a couple? How do they support each other professionally? What expenses are mounting up in their day-to-day life that they talk through? All the ins and outs of a couple, money, finances, and love. Joe and Sarita, thank you so much for being here on Trading Secrets. Thank you. How are we feeling? Congratulations. We're feeling good. I feel good. I was at the US Open with you yesterday. That was a blast. I'm struggling a little bit. Joe came in at 2 a.m. and scared the crap out of me. she jumped. I jumped. I didn't even, because our door is really loud, the front door. I didn't hear it. All of a sudden, I feel a hand on my shoulder. I was like, Oh my God, I'm about to get killed. You know what's crazy? Last time I did your podcast, yeah. we were both hungover from the US Open the last time. That was a year ago, huh? Oh, a year yeah. ago. Wow. I think you had went that okay. night and I was going that day. That's right. Emirates, you were going. Yep. Yeah, I yep. remember that. We have to take pictures side by side and see how much our hangover age face looks. <laughs> All right, so typically what I do is go in chronological order here. Today, I'm going to do the total opposite. We're going to flip it around. You just had your wedding. There's so much that goes into that. And there's so many people that listen to this show that are planning and would love to hear from you guys different tips and piece of advice. So the first thing I want to ask you about is your original wedding was in City Hall. So you had gotten married in New York City about a year ago legally, right? Yeah. So before we get into the beautiful wedding that you had, how does that work? Like, how do you schedule it? What's the cost of it? Do you have people go there? Did Wells Adam show up and actually marry you there? Give us the background of how that goes. So basically, a lot of people when we got married at the courthouse thought it was like a Vegas style, spontaneous, you wake up, you go to the courthouse situation, which is not how it works. It's about two weeks out. We decide we were going to do it. You go online. I would say about a month. A month. You're right. A month out. And you have to schedule a virtual meeting to essentially get, I think it's our marriage license. Okay. So we had to wait about two weeks from the beginning to that point. You get your marriage license and then you book an appointment to go into the courthouse to actually get married. And I think the first available- Is another about another two weeks. About another two weeks. So it's about a okay. one month process. I want to say it was $35. It was $35. Stop. 35 is, bucks to get married? That's it. I 35 had no idea. bucks. So cheap. My we were gosh. laughing because we knew we were still going to do a whole wedding and we we're like, this is like the cheapest wedding we could have ever <laughs> dreamed of right now. Yeah. And we really went in with no expectations. We were allowed to bring one person at the time. That was it, your witness, because they still were in COVID rules. And you had to wear a mask in City Hall because of COVID. Still. So you could bring one and you could bring no. one? No. You need yes. one witness Got to get it. married okay. to like sign off, essentially. So okay. Natasha Parker was our witness. Nice. She came with us. And... We didn't really know what to expect. We just thought we'd be sitting down signing papers. And you do that, and then they send you into a room, and you're at essentially like a courthouse altar yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Like an actual altar. Yeah, it's okay. an actual altar. It's like a courthouse altar. Did yeah. it feel like, aside from the business stuff, did it feel like a little weird? Or did it feel like, no, this is it felt. I, I think it felt weird. Just it felt very strange. It didn't really feel romantic until... We faced each other face to face and the lady started reading the vows. And then it was like. And she was like 
look at each other in the eyes. Like yeah. she was like the, yeah, like yeah. making it a moment for us, which I appreciate. Natasha's playing like a Spotify song, like yeah, a nice yeah. song off her phone. <laughs> and then and then it really hits you how intimate that moment is. And because I think we just did such little preparation, it just felt so heavy and i was like whoa this was yeah and then my adrenaline kicked in like after and it was a great feeling it was it was a lot of fun i actually really enjoyed it i will say we played it down to ourselves i think a lot or i don't even know if we just didn't give it a lot of thought going into it we gave it thought in the sense we knew what we were doing sure but we didn't make it really a moment like you saw we were dressed so casually it was 9 30 in the morning we weren't really thinking much of it and then once we were standing there looking at each other it was like oh my gosh, we're getting married right now. And the emotions were definitely flowing. And then the rest of the day, we were like very elated. Yeah. I think this is a trading secret in itself though, for people that are out there, that if you are struggling financially to plan a wedding, Mm -hmm. you can go to a court, $35, you can legally get married, and then you could have the time to plan it. So you're not rushed or save a couple bucks. There's a wedding trading secret right there. That was a little bit bit of our thought process. A funny thing about... When we did post, I had texted Wells, I want to say three days before that, and asked him to be our officiant. Okay. And then he texted me right after said, that is the fastest I've ever got fired from a job. And I was like, no, we're still doing the wedding. We're still doing the wedding. <laughs> I love that. You just said the word reasons. There are some reasons to do it. Behind the scenes wise, what are you guys thinking? Why do a wedding like that? We started the wedding planning process and we threw it out there. Like it's spontaneous. It'll be fun. And we want to take the pressure off of the wedding planning process, really. We both wanted a wedding, but neither of us are people that like grew up dreaming of our wedding or had really specific expectations for what that day was going to look like. And we had so much hype and attention around our engagement in a way that it was like, let's just strip this down, Mm -hmm. keep it as simple as possible kick off wedding planning with getting married, which is fun and different. And we've had a very untraditional relationship anyway. (laughs) And it was great. It was not something I ever thought I was going to do was get married at the courthouse, but it was cheap and fun. And yeah, it's a really good memory. But I will say to anyone thinking of doing it, highly recommend, but don't play it down. It was a moment for sure. I'm glad that that kind of hit us before it was too late. We really got to milk this marriage thing twice. <laughs> Hustle. <That's, you> know. <laughs> let, let me, I have to ask this as someone who was engaged to a Canadian, right? Canadian American. I have a buddy, curious Canadian. He'll be on the recap. Stay tuned for this. I'm sure he'll talk about it. He's told me it took him a five inch binder to prove that his relationship was legit to get I think it's a green card to then yeah. get married. And he said the timing, he said it took nine months. Does that at all play into the decision when you're dealing with a Canadian citizen, United States citizen is in the time and the process? I think that's definitely a perk of us getting married earlier yeah. in the sense that we definitely have the green card application submitted, but I uh, do currently have the work visa here. Okay. A lot of people think that when you get married, you immediately get all of these perks and all this access if you're a Canadian citizen. You don't get anything. You just are now married to an American. But it does allow you to be eligible to apply for a green card once you're married. You apply, I want to say... January? Yeah, so I would say about nine, ten months. Still haven't heard anything back. Come on. So it takes a minute. They said about, I think, 14 to 18 months is the waiting game. That is absolutely insane. What if... 
Okay, so I know about the work visa world because mm-hmm. Caitlin's on a work visa with with yep. in her podcast network. She's still on a work visa. Yeah, she doesn't have a green card. Yeah. So what if it the work visa expires? Because that's I remember that process through the employer yeah. is like a nightmare. So the hope is that there's the overlap yeah. of my work visa is still going, and Got then it. I get the green card before the work visa expires. Got it. It's um, stressful. But yeah, if it if I didn't have the green card and my work visa were set to expire, which I do have quite a bit of time right now, yeah, like thankfully, I would just have to reapply. Money question: Green card when you apply to that, what do they charge? What does it cost for that? So the green card, I'm not 100 percent certain right now, but I can tell talk about the work visa because a if you don't get a lawyer, it's cheaper, but it's riskier because okay. you're then doing all the work and the research and the paperwork by yourself. Okay. I did get an immigration lawyer, so it's paying their fees, which is a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. And then it's the time and the work to like get all of this stuff, which was a time cost, not a financial cost, but still a lot. Then when you actually apply for the work visa, I believe the cost of applying is like a few hundred dollars, but if you want it expedited, which I did want because that guarantees you're going to find out within two weeks versus potentially a few months, it's $2,500 extra. So that's where they get you. That's where they get you on that. If you don't have the luxury of time on your hands where you can just wait, you don't have a guaranteed timeline if you don't pay that expedited fee. And I don't want to just be a sitting duck waiting so the expedited fee is that like extra kicker. It's just, it's just a beyond stressful situation. Curious yeah. Canadian, talk more about this in the recap. But there was a situation too where his work visa, I think, was still pending. And so he wasn't allowed to go back into Canada because of work issues for a year or yes. even more than that. He couldn't see his parents that, or anything. Yeah, that was another thing we did. Yeah, go for it. there's two different types of green card applications that you can go through. One of them, I know people that have done this, is you have to stay in the U.S. the whole time. You can't leave. That and that's true. a quicker process. It okay. is quicker. I think they estimated us at finding out within eight months to a year if we did that method. My method takes longer because it goes through, I believe, the Canadian embassy. I, we have to go out there, do, do you see the movie, The Proposal? Oh, yeah. The interview, the we have to like kind of do that whole yeah. thing and be like, our relationship's legitimate. <laughs> it's we legitimate. Swear we we're love, love each other. Let's kiss. Yeah. But that gives me the freedom to go back and forth across the border, leave, come back, which for me was super important because all my family is in Canada. God forbid anything were to happen. I couldn't cross the border. So yeah, but that definitely add some time. I don't think the cost is any different, but the time is different. Got it. Then once you would get your green card, you're good, right? You're good. You get it for 10 years. So once you get your green card, then you're supposed to apply for citizenship. There's so many moving parts here, especially when it ties to trading secrets is the work aspect, because until you get the green card, Mm -hmm. the pressure of all keeping that job, not screwing up is so immaculate because they're the ones sponsoring you being here. I can imagine just from a strictly professional career perspective and personal, that obviously is a lot of added pressure. So let's get this green card approved out yes, there. Yes. All right, let's transition into the big wedding that was everywhere, plastered all over the internet and TV screens, just all over. What I want to ask you though, is the average wedding in the United States right now is $29,000. That's number one in the entire world. Spain is actually two, costing $23,000. With the cost of weddings and everything associated with it, did you at all think about or were approached to potentially do a sponsored wedding with the show? Go on Paradise, do a TV wedding, do something with The Bachelor. Was that a potential business opportunity? No. No, right? 
There, no, we were no, not going to do it. Got yeah, it. But, we would okay. not have done but it. But they also, no one asked. No. They didn't ask. I think there was like some jokes thrown around way back when. Of, yeah. If you want to, you could. I but, think Paradise would be perfect to do something like this. Yes, but I also think that like when those jokes were thrown around, there was some pretty hard statements made on our end of we would want this and this. Sure. I, the privacy aspect was important to us. And I think we realized in that moment it wouldn't have worked for us. And I think they probably realized it wouldn't work for them either. And I think it was not going to be mutually beneficial. And I remember because I went to a wedding in Paradise, which was Chris, Chris and, Randone uh, and Crystal. Crystal. And I just remember like, it is still a production. There are still cameras. They still have to be mic'd. They still have to stop and potentially re-say something. And I don't want to have to do that for my wedding. Got it. And no shame on them. You still have to have like random paradise guests there that are like dealing with their own drama. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're literally, you have the rest of the cast that's on the show that you probably don't know 80% of them. Okay. Like your most intimate moment, they're sitting watching. Okay, so what I'm hearing here is that you couldn't tell me if I'm hearing this right. You you would have considered doing it, but knowing all the factors, especially seeing it and being in a wedding, the price would have to be like very right. And it didn't get to that point. So you said, let's do our own thing. Yeah. Is that a fair interpretation? Yeah, yes. that's a yeah. fair interpretation. I mean, if they would have okay. said, hey, come do it, we'll pay a million bucks. Yeah. And what's funny is I think back in the day, I'll have to fact check it or even ask her, but there's rumors that Trista was paid. That was with the fee that she got, a million bucks. First wedding, ABC, Trista and Ryan, they got a million dollars. Really? That's the rumor out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually text her. Stay to the recap. I'm gonna so ask I heard her. a different number. Okay, I heard what'd a you hear? That Sean and Catherine got a million. Interesting. And this is a straight up rumor. Like yeah, I don't even remember who up. I heard this. Trading from. secrets, we gotta confirm this stuff. What'd you hear? I heard no one ever got more than a hundred. Really? Interesting. But I don't know. Yeah, these yeah. are all rumors that I heard. A million sounds it sounds high. Yeah. A million and a million's high. It's a lot. I also wonder if the million includes the cost of the wedding, sure. flying certain people out. Is that all in yeah. what they made and what they saved? Yeah. All right. We're going to have to go back to that. I'm going to text Trista, maybe even Sean. Let's see if we can have him on the show. We'll talk about it in the recap. So you don't pursue a TV wedding. You plan it all yourself. One of the big questions I had from the Money Mafia when I said I was interviewing you was people. You collabed with people on the post. People had you everywhere. You were People Magazine. Mm. Are they a sponsor? How does that work? Do you give them the rights? Do you give them exclusive rights? No. Don't we don't pay, get a dime right? yeah. from people. But I guess back in the day, they would pay potentially. Yeah. But today, no. And I, I think you just look at it like it's as a kid, People Magazine, and there'd be yeah. major celebrities on the cover. And you're like, yeah, it's cool. They're a, they're a massive media outlet. And they just have, yeah, they have a huge reach. So it's, yeah, why not? Like, yeah. it's, it, honestly, it's, it's more of an honor to be asked. It's flattering. I think there's something about this world where once you're in it for a little bit, I think to the people that follow and love you guys, you're held to this super, this certain standard and this platform that you're now on, assuming like you've been there forever. But People still forget it was just a few years ago that the idea of 
be having a wedding shot by people for you guys. That's what? Yeah, How is that? It you is know, still crazy. you were an intern at a PR company. I was a banker. You were working in a grocery store. Yeah. And now, five years later, people is covering everything. And I think people see you guys like, yeah, of course they are. Like, why wouldn't? But they forget we're still those like kids that were like, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. It's like very the pinch surreal. me moments. Yeah. Crazy stuff. All right. So, people covers it. They work with you, but there's no payment associated with that. But it's pretty damn cool and they have good coverage. Let's get into the wedding industry. So, wedding services industry. The revenue in the U.S. is expected to hit over $70 billion in 2023. I don't want to pry too much, but just a little bit. Is there anything from a dollar amount perspective you can share from the wedding, either what the wedding costs, maybe the welcome party, maybe the flowers? Is there some number associated with the wedding you would be comfortable sharing? The wedding's very expensive. <laughs> uh, luckily, Serena's Serena's parents are very gracious people, and they covered the wedding. And they're just extremely classy and like never complain, like never an issue. So we're really thankful for that. That's a um, that's amazing. Yeah. One just question: I'm curious if you know it. Because I think about, especially as a finance guy, if I'm so lucky to have kids one day, if I would start like putting money away right away for I the do wedding. They do did. you know they did that or they, yeah? Yeah, okay. they had always said growing up, my my parents, but specifically my dad, are very traditional and yeah. it's always made known to me that they will at yeah. the very least help, if not pay for yeah. the wedding. Cool. Recap, guys, we'll stay tuned. If you are someone that wants to think about that for your child down the road, some different ideas of where you can put the money to help it grow over time. Yeah. We paid for the other things and then the rehearsal dinner and the welcome party. Okay. And the welcome party. Which costs more, rehearsal dinner or welcome party? It's, it's bundled, but I would say like all together, rough estimate. Can I take a guess? Sure, yeah. take a guess. Throw a guess. Up. Between rehearsal and welcome party? Yes. Yeah. And all those, everyone, if you haven't seen those photos, go follow Joe and Serena. Immaculate. 11 out of 10. I'm going to go, it's going to be under six figures, but very close. I'm going to say 70, 80 grand. Under. Okay. Under, under, but 50 grand. Yeah, Yeah. I would say ballpark around 50 to 60-ish. Okay. Now let's do a little fun game here then. So knowing that, let's talk about a few things. I want to ask you a couple rapid fires. Just tell me what comes top of mind. It has to do with the price of things in a wedding. Okay. I'm like, I need my spreadsheet. So talk to me about what do you think, looking back on it, or talking with your parents and looking at what you spent, most overpriced item was. What was it? Most overpriced item. You know what? I will say there was one aspect of our decor that we went back and forth on removing because we were like, holy, this is... Ex-. And I will say going into this rapid fire, there's actually, I don't think anything we regret. Every decision we was pretty thought out. But I remember finding out the cost of the twinkly lights and the greenery that hung from the ceiling at our wedding over yeah. the dining area okay, and being like, whoa. Can I ask the cost of that? I don't know what it was. I do, but I don't know if I want to even say. <laughs> I think it was like, oh my God, I think it was like eight grand. Yeah, I, would, I was going to guess like yeah. six, seven grand. Which I was that. just yeah. like, whoa, because the thing is what you forget is, A, it's the labor fees. It's the cost of the True. rental of the twinkly lights, of the all the greenery. Yeah. The, insta- the day before they come in, they install it. Yeah. And I just remember being like, oh my God, that's 
that's so much more than I ever would have expected. But then when, and then you got taxes and then you got gratuities and then it all comes sure, out. Sure, it just adds like, up to a lot. Yeah. We should get in the twinkly light business. Yeah. Game. That's yeah. no but, joke. But truly I, when we walked in though and looked at it, we're like, wow. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, I want to ask that. When you look at, obviously expensive. This happens once in your life. When you look at the pictures, when you look at the videos, when you even remember it, it feels like as crazy as that is, it, it might be worth it. I will say there was moments where we were like, what are we doing? We spent $35 at the courthouse and now we're just like <laughs> busting open bank accounts to like spend all this money on florals and aisles and dresses. This feels crazy. But at the same time, we did give a lot of thought to each decision made. We weren't throwing money around loosey-goosey. Like yeah, yeah. anything that felt like it was a really expensive cost, we thought through, we talked through with our planner, is this going to be worth it? Like initially, I had them building a separate like bar, like a lounge, like yeah. literally another room in our, and then the cost of that, I was like, okay, we actually don't need that. Yeah. Okay. That okay. seems unnecessary. Or we were going to like rent a really beautiful, big black mat bar that we thought was really cool. Oh. There's certain things just that we were like, this is going to look great, but are we going to regret it down the line? Yeah. Renting a of- black mat bar, 5000 3000 yeah, I think, I think I'm just it was, trying to no, get it was, like, it was probably five. And then it's then you compare it with just like the makeshift bars that they bring there, and those are like 250 That's so it's wild. Like, so it's like you could get yeah. yeah. and, and, and honestly, our wedding planner was great, and the, a wedding planner is something I, I highly suggest because we could never have done it ourselves. Yes. Put it all out there. Yeah. Basically, you price out your dream wedding, and then you go through, and then you're like, okay, let's cut this because we don't need this. This mm-hmm. is actually really necessary. Yeah. And that is how I think you, you should do it. My understanding with wedding planners is they get paid one of two ways, a fee up front or they get paid a percentage of what's the cost. Yes. Correct. Which did your wedding planner do? We did, we did a percentage. We did a percentage. percentage. See, the one thing I would be worried about then though is the wedding planner, of course, is incentivized to spend more. So then you have to be even that much more as a unit when it comes to budgeting, right? Yeah, but the thing is a lot of people that did flat rates. Yeah. Kind of came out front and like, we don't work on a budget. Understand uh, any, you know, it, this is their work. They're putting their product out there for the world to see. They want it to look amazing. And the way to do that is to spend more money. Got it. So I, I feel like anyone's probably going to go that route. And the, like, the people that did the fee base, they're quoting five to 25K for a fee. I think the people we talked to... No one was five. No one okay. was five. Okay. I think the lowest, lowest we heard was 25. Uh, yeah, 25. I th- Damn, 25. 25. 20, 20 to 22. But Oh, that's right. Yeah. But granted, we're also looking at some really beautiful weddings and contacting... Of course. Yeah, you're yeah. going on Instagram you're, and be like, yeah. oh my God, this yeah. looks amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. We find out yeah. what their fee is. Okay. 100%. Okay, yeah. that makes perfect so sense. So I'm sure there's a much larger range than what we found out in our research. We also, I think, talked to six wedding planners, which is a pretty small sample. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. So these are the top five vendor categories of people that are getting hired in the U.S. for okay. weddings. So people in the dress industry photographers, grooms attire, somehow made this list, the caterer, and the cake. So those are the five top vendor categories in the United States that we hire at weddings. I'm tying those numbers, and it doesn't have to be one of those five, to something that you guys spent a good amount of money on, but you're like, I would have done it two times over. And the purpose of this question is if someone's listening and they are pinched right now with like their wedding budget, but they are listening to you guys say, 
spend that money on this, it was worth it, what would it be? I did my own attire, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> for the record, I, I knocked I, I that. I, I really, Joe didn't let me have damn good. give uh, one opinion on the, the attire. <laughs> he did it all himself. I had no That's say. Amazing. I just I, had to hope that we looked good matching together. I would say um, wedding planner, honestly, I, I truly just because I would have never been able to do it. Um, that to me is, is worth it unless you're, you're super type A and you have a lot of time and you just, you're good at this. Like you're okay. good at, because at the end of the day, like you need napkins, you need paper, you need tables, you need chairs, you need Especially cushions. Especially if you're getting married somewhere where you don't yeah. live. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like in, we're in the social media world. But I love our photos. Like our photographer was like, like she was great. And like having good photos of the day, like we'll have those now forever. Like I'm already looking, okay, is there a photo that we want to frame and then potentially put up in our apartment or in then our right. house in the future? So I would say a uh, photographer. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it's obviously to each their own, but- the and videographer, not to cut you off. And videographer too. Yes. I put those both in the same. Photo camera. and video are really the only thing that you're going to take with you past that day and have forever. So I think that value just lasts for the rest of your life if you invest in someone that you love. I also think that our videographers and our photographer were working so hard for the two days to not only get all the photos that we had said we wanted, but also to make it fun and enjoyable and easy and not feel like, oh, okay, we got to do this and get this photo, like to make it as seamless as possible. And that can really impact your day as well, because like you get burnt out on photos a little bit after a while. I will say if you're looking to save, save on the cake. Yeah. We spent too much on our cake, in my opinion. We spent, I think, $1,000 because that was the minimum spend okay, because it was a long a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So because it was a long weekend, a lot of cake places that were recommended had a minimum spend of between $800 to $1,000 that you had to spend to get a cake from them. Because it's A, Charleston is the second most popular wedding destination in the U.S. other yeah. than Vegas. Yeah. And B, it's a long weekend, so it's a popular wedding weekend. And I loved our cake. It was beautiful. I don't regret it, but I will say if you're asking like where to pull back. Cake you, would be. Cake, it. cake. Yeah. You don't, it's not a need. It's not a need and done and it's gone. We got a few cute cake cutting photos, but we had a great dessert bar that like people would have enjoyed with or without cake. I think that's a great question to ask people back home listening right now. Have you and do you eat the cake at the wedding? Because of all the weddings I've been to, I don't think I've ever had a piece of the cake. I By the time the cake, cake comes, like you're drinking, you're dancing, you're socializing. Like, I don't even remember eating cake. I didn't have a piece of cake. We had a bite when we cut the cake, but some people did because I know people came up and said your cake was really good. Okay. So that made me feel All better right. about so how much we spent on Couple it. Couple bucks on that. Yeah. All right. So videographer, photographer, invest in that. Maybe you could pull back on the cake. Got to make one comment. The videographer definitely nailed it. They got every single angle of your reaction and your vows with your beautiful chirp in the middle of your vows. You can see the laugh on your face. That was beautiful proud of that one. <laughs> Did you see that coming, Serena? So he actually asked I, I me in her. advance. Oh, I love that. What do you think I of this? That. Because I, I was like, I think this is great. You should definitely do yeah, it. But yeah. he was like, if I didn't ask you when you're up there, you know, crying, thinking I'm talking yeah. about you and I'm about to be like, I'm not talking about you. I'm yeah, talking about Wells. Yeah. That could get a little awkward. Respectful, Joe. I would yeah. expect nothing and, less. And honestly, yeah, like I, I knew she wouldn't be bothered by it. I knew she would find it funny because that's just her personality. But there are people that would 
probably really frustrated if you start off your vowels intelligent. Oh, of course, yeah. And for <laughs> so, everyone that doesn't know, right now we're going to play the clip of Joe's vowels. I remember walking down to the beaches of paradise very pessimistic. I even told myself, just leave this place single. But as soon as I hit the sand, I was a nervous wreck. I started losing it. I was anxious, straight panic. And then, there you were. Brown eyes, beautiful smile, curly hair. I took a deep breath. I walked over to you and said, Walls, I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) (laughs) That That was good. There's Serena. Oh, it's about me now. Dear Serena, I promise the rest of my vows are solely for you. Let's go with this. Both of you guys are influencers, big in Bachelor Nation. Was there anything in the wedding that got comped as a result of having a platform? I'll tell you one thing that I, I if you do have a following, what I do suggest is finding a venue that would allow you to bring in your own alcohol because you could probably get alcohol deals. And that's somewhere where you could actually save a good chunk of money. Okay. Uh, we couldn't do that. Which was harder than expected. We asked a lot of the venues that we looked at if we could bring in an alcohol vendor. And most of the time the answer was no. Yeah. But I do know that people have done it. Yeah. Did you bring in a vendor? No, we couldn't. Uh, we couldn't. Oh, you weren't allowed? Yeah, a lot of venues don't allow it. And the reason they don't allow it is because there's Huge Price. markups. Yeah, yeah, and alcohol is, is massive. We worked with we worked with Minted for our wedding invitations and some of our day of paper, which was fantastic because that's a lot of work and little things that kind of come together. Yeah. And that's a brand that I was excited to work with because you're not going to get to work with them really unless it's like your wedding. Yeah, I don't know. And then we did work with Ring Concierge yeah. for our band. Look at that. Yeah, and then they loaned me out a bunch of jewelry to wear for the wedding. Cool, which was unbelievable because a lot of the jewelry I have is not like wedding appropriate yeah. jewelry. But at the same time, I don't need to keep this jewelry. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. need all of this for forever. I got a few pieces that I will keep forever. Sure. So. That was great. And when they, they do those loan outs, the value of the stuff they give you, you you could be wearing like a quarter million dollars of jewelry. It's like crazy. Yeah, the, also um, nerve wracking because I lose anything. I'm literally going home today to like <laughs> triple check that I have every single piece. They make you sign a waiver, obviously, to loan you. Yeah. And they did, they were gracious enough to loan me some pieces for my bachelorette as well. And I was yeah. like, everything's going in the safe. I'm triple checking <laughs> it every day because I was like, the last thing I need is to be responsible for this jewelry and have something happen. I love that. All right. You mentioned bachelorette. I think it's a good transition out of wedding topic. Joe, your bachelor party, Las Vegas. You're a lucky guy. First night out of the limo, you get sent home, and now you got Serena as your wife and everything in between. Any luck in Vegas? So I'm not a lucky gambler, but I've been gambling my, my You're whole gambling. We, we gamble a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, he gambles. He's just not, I'm a, not lucky a lucky gambler. gambler. He's a good card player, too. I don't know anyone who's a lucky gambler, though. And for the most part, I go to Vegas once or twice a year, and I've been doing that since I was 21. So you always do one or two trips one, with One the or two trips or with my friends, and yeah. I would say... So whatever, let's call that, let's say 32 times maybe. Okay. I've been, maybe walked away a winner twice. Wow. Maybe four or five times. Usually don't win, but yeah, this trip, I was up a little bit. We got there Wednesday. It was Thursday night. I was up a decent amount 
And it's like 12, 30, 1 a.m. And I just want to go to bed. My friends come out, let's just play a few machines. And I don't ever play slot machines. I don't play slot machines. That's one thing I won't do. Which friend in this group is it? My buddy, Alan. Big slot machine guy. Yeah, he, he, he likes <laughs> When he was on tour with Caitlin for yeah. a show, he won a It's not, I won't share it in any numbers, but he won a big slot machine hit. Did he? he? Oh, yeah, when they were on, because they stop at casinos and stuff because yeah. they perform there. Oh, I know. And Joe's told a, me. Yeah, he won a big one and he was so generous. He bought everybody like a really nice sushi dinner. Yeah. Oh, when he won. That's yeah, nice. sweet guy. Never bought me a sushi. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> son of a bitch. But anyways, yeah, so we're, so we're just playing like for very small money and we hit a, we end up like, we hit a, a slot. I think it was like 850. Damn. Pretty good. Great. So I'm like, let's take it to high limit pinball. He goes, yeah, let's do that. We walk over high limit pinball slot machine. We put the 850 in. It is in $25 increments, $75 a spin for max spin. You always got to do max. And you're playing with the house money. So We're like, playing. you're not, you can't lose, right? I don't care. And at this point, it's I don't even care because I'm up. Yeah. My money's in my safe. I'm like, I'm going to enjoy the rest of my bachelor party. I'm going to really take it easy. Yeah. And that's it. It's like it, the middle of the night right now too, isn't it? Yeah. That's what I said. It's like 1 a.m. And which day was this of your bachelor? This is Thursday. So this is so day. So you're this starting is, your- This is night two and half my friends still aren't even there. Yeah. Run down to eight. We have $50 left. Now, the machine won't take a $5 bill. So you can't put the 25 in. So I'm just going to hit it, not play the max credits and go to bed. He is- do not, and thank God he did this, do not touch the machine. He goes and gets a $25 voucher because it would only take a $25 voucher to put in the machine. So you need 75 to play. You got 50 in the machine. Yeah. Alan says, no. He literally takes a $20 yeah. bill, a $5 bill, puts in the machine, gets a voucher, and comes back. Yeah. yeah. We hit it. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Jackpot. I go, oh my God. I'm like, what did we just win? And now like, you don't like, we're in the high limit room. So I don't know what this thing's going to read. Is this thing going to read 450 grand? What did we just hit? And we hit, we hit for 60,000. And I was like, that is unbelievable. Absolutely I, I, insane. I cannot believe this. We hit for 60. 75 bucks. You hit for 60,000. Yeah. And there was a few guys in there smoking cigars. Oh my God, we were just on that machine for an hour. I can't believe you hit it. And we're all, I was like, I can't fucking believe it either. So, <laughs> and, and in my head, I'm like, I wanted to take it. Thank God it was late. Because I was like, let's just take this and roll it right into Blackjack. Oh, you sicko. And try, and, try, and try to really get him. <laughs> you I, 75 I, bucks. Yeah, you turned it to 60. Let's, let's roll this. Are you nuts? Let's roll this 60 into a million. Um, <laughs> Joe calls me in the morning and usually it's bad news. When he's in Vegas, of he's course, always calling yeah, me in the morning yeah, too, with bad like, news. Oh no, what happened? And he tells me the story and I was, first of all, oh my God, this is <laughs> yeah. the best thing ever. Second of all, don't lose it. Stop. I was like, I swear to God, if you gamble all this money away that you just won, I would be so bad. That's what I would say. I was put like, we have it a wedding. Away. It's an expensive year. Yes. Put it away. And that's and honestly, and and because like if I wasn't a married man, if I was single, yeah. I'm firing. <laughs> there is no doubt about it. Because I almost went on another run in blackjack and because I was being conservative, <laughs> I didn't, and I could have. It's a unit. Good I could have really got him, but that is something. When you are married, and like eventually, like we want to start a family and yeah. stuff. Like 
some of my crazy habits. Like I'll you have change. to just, yeah, you just have to like but peel what, it back. What's your, re- like you win 60, you gotta be screaming, like screaming. Oh, we were screaming. Jumping, yeah, we were screaming. screaming. And then they do come up to, okay, how do you want it? Do you want yeah. cash or do you want us to take taxes out right away? But I do have gambling losses from the years. So hold off the taxes. Sure. I take half, he takes half. We'll, That's the best we'll story I've ever out, heard in my life. We'll figure out taxes party. later and let's just not blow it. And you didn't blow it. We didn't, I did not All blow right, it. So you left up. I left up. Have you ever won anything like that in your life? There was one. <laughs> I was expecting the instant answer to be like, <laughs> Me no. Too. I, was I was like, like what? what? <laughs> no, I've had, the horseshoe up Joe's ass is like the best thing I've ever seen. I, I had some runs where I probably ran it up. I think one time I got there, I ran it up and went up 18, 20 and, and ended up losing. On the oh, trip. wow. <laughs> All right. So, so lesson learned. Yeah. Lesson like, learned. And because you have a better half there over yeah. your shoulder from a distance, the money's still there. Yeah. Because you could like in Vegas, five days. Yeah. You could spend a lot. Yeah. When you're a gambler and when you're in a place like Las Vegas, the value of what the money is. It all just becomes chips. Yeah, it becomes Um, chips. That's part of their psychology. So when you're up 30, you're up 30 grand, and all of a sudden you lose 3,000 in your head, 27 is a lot less. Now it's only 27. I got to get that three grand back. And that's how they. And that three grand to that 27 then turns into 21. Yeah. And then you're like, I I just blew ten thousand dollars. Remember to save money for those taxes, even if you got the wind Thank coming you. across. I got you. I got yeah. you, Srita. I don't know if you can match that on your bachelorette, but anything cool happened? No, Did you I win can't. Anything, anything comped? Anything you can speak about? <laughs> we worked with the Venetian Hotel, which was fantastic, cool. and they were very generous. And the Tao Group, which was also fantastic. We're not gamblers, yeah. my friends and I. So, like, I called Joe and I was like. I won 50 bucks <laughs> like, uh, playing roulette. Like that was like my cool win story. But I am okay. a lot more, Joe and I, in terms of our spending habits are quite, like I'm a lot more conservative with my money. Okay. So like, if I lose like 10 bucks, I'm like pissed and I'm off the table. Yeah, I'm going to even throw gambling. I'm, I'm not going to do this on the record, but let's just call it the investment category in the fact that you're putting money up trying to get a return. Do you spend as much as you're willing to invest at a high risk? Because those are two different things, spending a lot and having high risk yeah, you know, yeah, associated no, with investment. Uh, no. Yeah. I would say I have much higher risk with investing and I'm much lower with spending. A hundred percent. You're the same way. A hundred percent. So you are lower risk. No. You like spend spending, a lot. Like on clothes and stuff. Joe he's, loves he's a, buying. He's Joe a big is restaurant such a guy. <laughs> Joe's, like if I looked at Joe's credit card bill, it's going to be restaurant and drinks, I feel No, like. and clothes. Really? Joe is but, such a spender with clothes. Oh my God. I'm he's, surprised by that. He loves but, Nice clothes, but not what, fancy, but nice. But what oh. you're saying, let's say you have a great, you have a great intuition on a certain stock, and you want to, you want to trade an option, and let's say you lose twenty five hundred. Okay, this is what I'm guessing you're saying. That's not going to really bother you as much as if you went and bought a sport coat for twenty five. Exactly what I was trying to. That ask. that twenty five hundred for the sport coat feels like. It's harder to justify, but losing it on an investment, you feel like, well, it's part of the game that I play. Yes. If I lose 2,500 bucks on a trade, I I wouldn't blink because I just know it swings. If I spent $2,500 on a sport coat, I'd be like, Jason, what the hell you do? Like this better be an outlying situation, et cetera. Obviously, we know you're more risk averse, which means you're like, I'm not gambling. I'm not going to do big trades and invest heavy. How about your spending? Would you say that matches it? Are you more of a conservative spender? I would say 
at least compared to Joe, I'm still more conservative with my spending. Okay. For uh, sure. Yeah, but you, I'm not as bad. As- I'm not trying to make you sound bad. I'm just saying if we're comparing, right, me compared to you, you compared to me, you, I would say, spend more money than I do. Restaurants, for sure. Um, Which, it's so funny because we were talking about this the other day. I'm yeah. bad with clothes, too. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised by that. Joe. Yeah, a lot of people don't. don't maybe, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, like I know. Because like you trip. wore Adidas slides in paradise for a month. <laughs> yeah. But, so we went out to a nice dinner the other night, and I think, let's say it was 250 Two, right? 300 bucks. 300 yeah. bucks. Sure. We love going out to a new restaurant, trying new food. We really enjoy it. That experience is so worth that amount to us. We don't do it every night. We do it, call it a few times a month. Sure. If I am looking, I was looking at an Anin Bing crew neck that was, I think, $200 for a year before I finally pulled the trigger on it. Yes. And I had such a hard time letting myself spend two, $300 on this sweater that I've worn a ridiculous amount, by the way. I love it. But I think that for me, and this probably comes from my dad because he is like this also. If I came home with a bag from Aritzia, he'd be like, what are you doing? If I spent $60 at Aritzia, he'd be like, what are you doing? But we went on a lot of trips and did a lot of experiences. And that is where I see the value of spending the money. We go out for a nice dinner that we'll remember and we enjoyed it. We had a great conversation. I'm like, worth it, worth the $250. But when it comes to more material items, I have such a hard time. Experiences? I'll spend money all day. Yeah. But the actual items, I struggle with. Yes. The one time in my life, didn't struggle. And I think you and I have talked about this with buying an item. I would never spend this is when I got this watch. But the reason- It holds its value. That's it. So I looked at this more of an investment play because I knew the day that I bought this, I could go sell it for more. Otherwise, there's no way I would have spent that money on the watch. And that's why they're like different categories, spending, investing. The second book I'm writing is called Talk Money to Me. And it's all about money and relationships. So eight numbers you got to know about yourself and your finances and eight that you should talk about with your partner and like how to improve them. Because the second reason that people get divorced or couples end is actually money related. So it's like a big topic conversation. High level. Do you guys have any, I don't know, financial rules or are there any things you talk about that you're going to try and do as a unit together or joint bank account as deep or high as you want to get that you guys talk about to work as one when it comes to money, earning, spending, anything, whatever. I'll just open blank slate. And that is where we're going to cut off part one of a two-part series with Joe and Serena. Now, make sure to subscribe to the podcast because next week you can't afford to miss part two. We get into the weeds about their career navigation within Bachelor Nation, some of the qualms when they took over the head role of the hosts of Bachelor Happy Hour. We even get into some of the deeper discussions they had about money, career, and personal life in the fantasy suite at Paradise. and how they manage their finances is one, what their perspective is, who's the bigger spender. There's a whole lot of discussions in part two that you can't afford to miss. And a lot of it has to do with what is next for Joe and Serena as they plan their careers within the Bachelor franchise and outside of the Bachelor franchise. That is going to be one hell of a part two. And also, we are going to bring on a special Bachelor in Paradise surprise because this week, Bachelor in Paradise premieres. So next week, the new episode will come out Monday and not only will be a part two with Joe and Serena, but there will be a Bachelor in Paradise surprise. Now let's ring in the closing bell with the one and only The Curious Canadian. 
Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell to the Joe and Serena episode. It was jam-packed. We talked everything before the show, new ventures after the show, the wedding, the ins and outs, the dollars, the cents, even the Canadian citizenship. We talked about other weddings in the Bachelor franchise, the cost of those. There was so much in this episode. There are things I had no idea about that I learned about. And of course, you can't forget Joe winning $60,000. I'll never forget, as long as I live, the way he described that when he goes, ding. Ding, ding. That was a beautiful episode. Curious Canadian, David Arno, what are we thinking? How are we feeling? We're feeling great. We're back. I got to start at the top. I mean, I don't know how our viewers were feeling, but the courthouse marriage and green card conversation, I was fixated on. As you mentioned, I went through the process. So Jay, if you don't mind, I need to put a little few touching points on my experiences as it relates to theirs and some things that I need to educate them about because they weren't right on on a few things. All right. That's what I asked you to do when I interviewed them. So let's hear it. Love it. So the courthouse marriage is real. Same expectations. We went there. We thought it was going to be us sitting down at a desk signing documents. It wasn't. The courthouse in Rochester, New York is beautiful. And as soon as the the person marrying you makes you look eye to eye and start the vows, it was a really, really cool experience. So it it was fun to hear theirs. But the green card process, what they have to know is this. If they get approved, which I pray that they do, the process isn't too scary. The interview is not overly scary. But if you're married for less than two years when you apply for your Greek card, you do not get the 10-year. You get a two-year. And this isn't just for Canadians. It's for anybody out there who wants to marry an American. If you're married for less than two years before you apply for your green card, then you get a two-year temp. Then when that two-year temp is done, you got to reapply for your 10-year permanent. They put that in there so people don't just get married, get a green card, and then do their thing. you got to prove after two years again that you're still married, that you're still in good faith, et cetera, et cetera. So that's something really important for them to know. Number two, when they do get the tenure, then you can apply for citizenship after three years. You must be a permanent resident green card holder for three years before applying for citizenship. So you cannot apply for citizenship if you've been here for 10 years on a work visa. That doesn't count. You must have a green card. After three years, you can get your citizenship Once you get your citizenship, Serena, good news, you do not have to give up that Canadian passport. You can hold both. When you go to Canada, they recognize the Canadian one. When you come to America, they only recognize the American one. That is the recap on the citizenship and green card process. Canada, U.S. relationships. We now have the in and outs from someone who has literally already done it and a couple that is on their way to doing it. David, thank you for that clarity. That is good to know. What else are you thinking with this episode? Because there was so much to talk through. There, there was a ton. One thing that we got a fact check here, they talked a lot about their wedding, the ins and outs. A million dollars is what you know they said they would get it televised for a million dollars. That seems astronomical. Were you able to text Sean? Were you able to text Trista? Were you able to get some answers for the people at home? So I wasn't able to text them, but I do remember seeing it online so I can reference the article in which it was published, slate.com slash culture slash 2003. And it's the Trista Ryan discussion. They said that the wedding was a $3.77 million wedding on ABC and that their talent fee was a million dollars. I checked a couple other sources online too, David, and they all referenced this million dollar payout. So that is what's out there. I saw it on Entertainment Weekly. Tristan Ryan ceremony, which cost almost a reported $4 million to stage, not counting the $1 million paid to the bride. So there are a lot of references out there saying a million dollar wedding bill plus a almost $4 million wedding. So that is pretty, pretty impressive. That's crazy stuff. Are you telling me that $4 million is the cost that 
ABC paid to put on the wedding. Yeah, but also let's put this in perspective, David. This is when the show was new. They were building a huge brand, which 20 years later still exists. And think about this. I'm looking right now. There's one article on Slate, actually, that references an estimated 17 million viewers. 17 million viewers. And my understanding is that her finale had over 30 to 40 million viewers. If we put that in perspective, think about a Super Bowl has about 100 million viewers. So you're talking about a Bachelor show that literally had one third, almost one half of the Super Bowl. So a million dollars, when you think about it, in comparison to those ratings and numbers that are probably driving revenue, was all relative. It's so crazy to conceptualize actual dollar amounts with perceived value in just marketing and advertising and PR. I just saw an article, not to get too off topic, Deion Sanders, Colorado University. The amount of money that in advertising and marketing materials that he's got in University of Colorado through three weeks of the season, $996 million. It's crazy. I also saw for college football fans out there, and if you're not, still pay attention to this. This is one coach who goes to a university and is absolutely changing the landscape of football. Primetime football game that he was coaching last Saturday had over 9 million people watching. It was the largest primetime college football game ever watched. 9 million. It is absolutely mind-boggling. So there's a lot of things that are happening here. And I've also heard, David, that the landscape in which they are reporting TV ratings these days are starting to change. They are starting to factor in streamers. So where it used to be only one household, you'd get credit for one device. If there are six different devices in that household that have watched it, that will impact TV ratings. So we'll do a full episode on TV ratings. But for now, at least according to the online articles, Trista was paid a million bucks. And they're cracking down on the streams too. I know that. I got kicked off Jason Tardick's Netflix people. You did? I got kicked off. Oh shit, off. I didn't know that. Yep. Wow. I Interesting. Got, I got the uh, the notification from Netflix that it doesn't look like we're in the same household as where it's registered. And so we bit the bullet and had to get our own Netflix. So that was a good run we had though. I am sorry to hear that. I wonder how many I get, or do they say if you're not in the same household, you're kicked off? I think it's same how I think they're really cracking down on that. So yeah, it's huh. you know it was a good run, though. I appreciate that. Well, there's like four people that have my Netflix. Caitlin <laughs> has my Netflix. You have my Netflix. And I think Risha or some other yeah. friend has my Netflix. So everyone's getting booted, I guess. Exactly. I don't even know if I've signed into my new Netflix on my TV here. So who knows? I got your password if you need it. So I'm not going to share. All I'm not right. going to trade that secret. And then one money question that I got to ask that was related to the episode that relates a little bit to my life that I thought was great, Jay, was you talked about your spending versus investing tolerance. You obviously have a higher tolerance for investing over you know that 25 hundred dollar blazer but i gotta tell you i'm thinking about this and and i'm sure some people did at home i have a low spending tolerance right now for my spending on material things and a very low tolerance for investing because i'm paycheck to paycheck so what can you tell for people out there who maybe feel like i don't have spending tolerance anywhere because i'm just worried about that number of the bank account right now shed some light on that and any advice you can give for the people at home uh, who are in the same situation as me well so having a very tight conservative spending tolerance right now is so important because if you do get yourself in debt it's not like you got yourself in debt five ten years ago if you got yourself in credit card debt five ten years ago interest rates were at zero so credit card interest rates were at anywhere from like 15 to 20 percent right now they have CDs out there. They have all different, almost guaranteed investments that are paying 5% plus. So if those accounts are paying 5% plus, you can imagine the cost of debt, like credit card debt has gone up significantly, 
credit card debt's going to cost you anywhere from 20 to 40%. So if you're spending too much and you are living paycheck to paycheck, and then you have to put those balances on your credit card, you are going to get in a position where you cannot get out of debt. And the big thing, David, is with the investing tolerance, now more than ever with interest rates going up, inflation increasing year over year, we need to be making money on our money. It's just a basic, simple concept that our money yesterday is worth more than it is today, right? Think about the price of a Big Mac in 2000. It was two bucks. That same product now is five, six bucks, right? But if you had two bucks under a mattress and you kept it till 2024, it would still be $2. You have to be active with your investing. And if you find that you're a little bit risk averse, which is fine, risk averse, of course, meaning that you don't like taking on risk with your investments, maybe adjust it just a little bit to get a little bit riskier. Because if you're not making money on your money, I'm sorry, you are going to be caught so far behind. So David, keep that mentality of conservative spending, but maybe loosen up a little bit on investing, especially last thing is you have time. You have time. You're not going to retire till 60, 70 years old, right? You have so many years if there's a huge pullback in the market, if it goes to zero today, you still have 25, 30 years to recover from that. And what we've seen historically is that the market will recover and the market will return about 10% per year if you look at the returns of the S&P 500 over the last 50 years. Notepad is down, microphone is back up. That is my advice that I'm taking away from this episode. And I'm looking forward to seeing Joe on the big screen again. He's going on the goat. He's going on TV. I can't believe it's his fifth reality TV show that he's been on. So kind of wild, but always good to have Joe and another Canadian Serene on the pod. Both a great couple, great humans. Their energy shines bright when they're together. I love the way they work as one, the way they laugh, the way they support each other. It is a beautiful, beautiful relationship, and I am honored to call them friends. So David, I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. It was good to have you back on the ones and twos. Guys, don't forget, give us five stars. I have now moved. I have a whole new influencer closet, and it is stacked. I have a lot of things to give away. So make sure you give us five stars. Let us know what guests you want on and your biggest takeaway from this episode. And we will be giving one person something from the influencer closet. We do it every single recap. So David, what do you think? I think we should give something away. What do you what do you know? Yeah, I actually just realized that's a new backdrop for you. You're in the new you're in the new studio. I like it. Thank you. We are going to give it away to Jamie Lee Burdett. I just discovered and followed this pod this past weekend. Excellent content. I have been seriously impressed with Jason's delivery and the interview facilitation. Reminds me of Skinny Confidential Podcast, who was a guest on this show, like Lauren and Michael. Jason is so good at asking the right questions, catching key points, and allowing for the translation of jargon and breaking down a seemingly complex concepts for everyday person to understand. Really great stuff. Keep it up. 8,000 exclamation marks. And David, you are a big part of breaking down that jargon. Jamie, Lee, Burnett, just shoot us an email, secrets at jasontardic.com with your address and we will send something out. And thank you for listening to another episode of Training Secrets, one you can't afford to miss. Making that money, money.